Welcome back to another episode of the Brewdeck Podcast. For today's bonus episode, we are coming to you live from the trade show floor of the American Craft Spirits Association Conference here in Portland, Oregon. My name is Cheyenne and I will be your host for this episode. Today we'll be chatting with some folks in attendance at the conference, including the president of the American Single Malt Whiskey Commission and the production team from Clear Creek Distillery in Hood River, Oregon. Let's jump right in. Well, Country Malt Group is a proud partner of the American Single Malt Whiskey Commission, so we are very excited to be chatting with Steve Hawley, president of the commission. Steve, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Awesome. We're stoked to have you. Uh, well, to jump right in, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got your start in the industry, and what you're working on now? How I got my start? Well, I think probably the best place to begin would be with Westland Distillery out of Seattle, Washington. Uh, that was... 2009, 2010, depending on what you consider a starting point and what you consider legal. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I was uh, a part of a group that, that got the Westland off the ground, and that was a wild and fun ride. And the commission really came out of our work with Westland, and in 2015, you know, we were sitting around a table saying, well, this is a fun business to be in, but it's not actually a business because it's in a category that doesn't exist. So maybe we should do something about that. So we agreed that it was high time that we got some folks together and got a pen and paper out and wrote down what American single malt actually means. So we did that in March of 2016 in Chicago. And since then, we've been on the crusade. Yeah, very busy, I assume. Yeah, it has been. It's you know, fits and starts, for yes, sure. yeah, for but sure. we were nine people when we first sat down. Oh, nine wow. distilleries, I should say. Yeah. And now we count over 100 as wow. members of the commission. And mm -hmm. I do know that, you know, personally, I can count over 200 distilleries making single malt in this country. So That's very cool. Yeah, it's a been, lot of growth. Yeah, a lot of growth, a lot of new people coming into it, a lot of momentum behind it. And we say that it's kind of the the next big thing in whiskey and it really is it's kind of taken on its own life and we're in an exciting moment right now in time where things are starting to become formal and real and more people are joining and great whiskeys being made so it's a pretty exciting time that's great that's awesome to hear well for the listeners who might not know can you tell us uh, what is the american single malt commission or excuse me american single malt whiskey commission <laughs> and uh, can you kind of describe what you do yeah, we are a trade group. Um, we are made up of uh, members that have DSPs and are in the business of making single malt whiskey. We have a handful of members that make only single malt whiskey, but a lot of our members make other things as well. Um, but I think if you spoke to each of them, they'd say, you know, single malt is their, is their real love and they wish they could do that For sure. all day, every day. <laughs> um, so we're a trade group and, you know, our mission is to, you know, establish the category because, again, it, it doesn't really exist yet from a legal standpoint. Sure, yeah. So that's, you know, our mandate number one, but also, you know, education and um, promotion of the category as well. So we spend a lot of our time and, and efforts getting in front of trade groups, mm -hmm. getting in front of retailers, getting in front of journalists, getting in front of consumers, of course, mm -hmm. and trying to educate them on what single malt is, what Great. American single yeah. malt is, yeah. and uh, how that difference differs from bourbon and other things that are happening in this country. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we try and do a lot of things to 
push the whole thing forward. That's great. So what is the commission's involvement with events like ACSA? Um, I would say, you know, ACSA has been a huge supporter of ours. So it's, it's really a collaboration, you know, mm -hmm. rising tides lifts all boats kinds of things. They have um, an organization that has a lot of overlap from a membership with our organization. I can't think of too many mm -hmm. uh, commission members that aren't also members of ACSA. So um, there's a lot of symbiosis there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, events like this are, are a great opportunity for us. We are a small organization and we're a nonprofit organization and the opportunity to get everybody together in a room like we did last night here at Bird mm -hmm. Creek Distillery in mm -hmm. Portland is a lot easier when everybody's already coming for the ACSA sure. convention. So yeah. uh, Margie um, has been and Kirsten have been just incredible partners to us and very gracious in giving us space and, and giving us a platform and giving us a stage when we want and then also in in supporting our cause particularly on the regulatory front mm -hmm. and echoing the urgency that we have for formalizing a definition and um, just broadcasting why that's important. You know? Yeah, definitely. That's great. Uh, well, you're obviously, you know, very involved in the industry, very deep in the industry. So we want to kind of pick your brain about any industry insights that you might have. Um, can you tell us, do you have any uh, consumption or trends that you're seeing in the whiskey industry currently? Well, first and foremost, single malt whiskey <laughs> is, is all the rage. And, you know, I, I, I say that with a with a with a grin but it's ab mm -hmm. absolutely true mm -hmm. you know and when we when we do get that formal definition from the ttb which is coming you know mm -hmm. any day any week any month now yeah um i think you'll see an explosion of people um adding single malt to their uh, repertoire definitely um, i think you'll see some of the big boys they're already doing it um some of the larger spirits companies uh, investing heavily in single malt and you'll just see a lot more people mm -hmm. um rallying behind the idea of single yeah, malt yeah so i think that's a that's a big movement um i th i get asked a lot is there kind of a a regional aspect to single malt in america and i would say there absolutely is mm -hmm. and i think largely that's being driven by distillers that want to express a sense of place and express their own provenance and express their own uh, terroir if you want to mm -hmm. get into that big debate mm -hmm. um, so I think that's a big trend uh, I think that's it's important with a country this large that's making single malt whiskey for everybody to have their own perspective on that mm -hmm. and I think it's important from a global standpoint that America has a unique perspective on single malt as well and mm -hmm. one of those one of those things that we can all focus on is terroir and is sense of place and mm -hmm. you know regional expressions so I think that's a big trend that's going to continue yeah definitely that's awesome that's a great great point uh, well obviously like you're saying you know the distilling industry is growing um, do you is there a, a, you know any challenges that you're seeing that are facing distillers right now well, there's always challenges facing distillers. It's it's a hard business to be in no matter where you are, uh, no matter what size you are, and no matter what you're making. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, you know, the, first and foremost, the challenge is just the sheer number of distilleries, which, you know, leads to the sheer number of products that mm -hmm. are on the shelf mm -hmm. and, and how difficult that is to compete. Yeah, how you um, can make yourself stand out. 
Absolutely. I think, you know, the other big trend going to your last question is, you know, the rise in, I'll, I'll put my air quotes up, direct to consumer, mm -hmm. um, route to market. I think that there is, you know, a, a great opportunity coming out of the pandemic with more open-minded people um, looking at direct to consumer, um, even within the three-tier system construct mm -hmm. and giving distilleries an opportunity to get their whiskeys into people's hands that might not get it because they don't have the distribution footprint sure. um, and gaining that distribution footprint is exceptionally difficult no matter again no matter what size distillery mm -hmm. you are and even if you do gain the the distribution getting the attention within that distribution channel is you know another hurdle beyond mm -hmm. that so i think the dtc is probably the wrong term but i'll say e-commerce sure. is a great trend that's helping the distilling scene overcome some of these challenges. So Definitely. I'm excited to see that happen. You know, when I come to Oregon and I see people that have whiskey from Nantucket, you yeah. know, and, and they, they can get that because there are e-commerce opportunities out there that, that get that whiskey to places far and wide. I think that's pretty cool and pretty exciting. Definitely. Yeah, that's great. Well, I know that you are a, a very busy person, so I don't want to keep you too much longer. But before we let you go, I have to ask, how uh, how can dis distillers join the commission? Uh, are there any criteria for eligibility? Um, well, we have a lot of different ways to be involved. You know, Country Malt Group is involved. Mm -hmm. um, you're an associate member, which means you're supporting us because you believe in the cause. Mm -hmm. And, you know, likely you have a reason that you want to um, not only support American Single Malt, but, but be in touch with our membership. So mm -hmm. um, that's an easy thing to do by just getting in touch with me. Um, you can just be a general supporter no matter who you are, no matter what you do, no matter where you live in the world, um, by just going to AmericanSingleMaltWhiskey.org and filling out a simple form and joining the mailing list. Now, as far as being a member of the commission, a member producer, as we, as we term it, um, you have to be a DSP in America, and mm -hmm. you have to be making single malt whiskey, and you have to be making single malt whiskey according to the definition that we've outlined as well. So, Can you share that definition? Yeah. Um, so there's several different provisions. I mean, the, the basic ones are you have to make whiskey from 100% malted barley, which is what single malt whiskey is. You have to make uh, that whiskey in America, mm -hmm. <laughs> which I mm -hmm. think would be uh, pretty obvious. And... Um, you have to distill that whiskey at a single distillery, which is the single part of single malt whiskey. Got it. And there are some other kind of nerdy production details <laughs> that you have to adhere to, which are, um, you know, largely in line with what single malt whiskey means around the world and also largely in line with the way our federal government defines many whiskeys in general and, and what we want them to define single malt whiskey has yeah. so distillation proof and things mm -hmm. of that nature mm -hmm. so um, to join you just again go to that same website and Perfect. you know raise your hand and say I'd like to join this and I'm an American single malt whiskey producer um, we then ask you to sign a pledge <laughs> that says that you're actually making whiskey uh, that follows these guidelines and, mm -hmm. and then you're in awesome well yeah. that is great I'm sure the listeners are very excited to hear all of that uh, before I let you go anything else going on at the commission that our listeners should know about well, I think, again, the it's an exciting time because the TTB in July of last year uh, published their proposed um, standard of identity, the definition basically for what right. single malt whiskey is in America. So that was a major milestone for us. That was followed by a public comment period, which ended at the end of September of 2022. 
so now we're in that waiting stage again. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, and we expect, you know, like I said at the beginning, any day, any week, any month now, <laughs> that a Fingers final crossed, a final ruling will come from yeah. the TTB, which will just be, I mean, the opportunity to create an entirely new category of mm-hmm. whiskey or any spirit really does not come along very often. No, so yeah. for those of us that are involved in this and, and able to play a part in you know, giving birth to an entire category mm-hmm. of whiskey is a once in a lifetime experience and is something that we all are just over the moon about <laughs> Definitely. being able being able to participate in. So um, that's really what we're focused on right now. But I guess I would just leave you with the fact that, you know, a definition from a federal standpoint just means that there's a formal, you know, guideline mm-hmm. for how to make that. That doesn't mean that consumers understand it. That doesn't mean that consumers are interested in it. That mm-hmm. doesn't mean that consumers are willing to pay for it. The job is not done just because we have, you know, uh, a few words in the in the federal register that say what single malt whiskey is sure. in America. The job really is to educate people and get them to understand why this is compelling, why this is exciting, why it's innovative and interesting. And that's the job moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's for consumers, that's for retail stores that need to have American single malt whiskey sections in their store, that's for bars and restaurants that need to have menus that have American whiskey, uh, American single malt whiskey uh, menu sections. It's for people overseas that don't think America uh, has a right even to <laughs> have a voice in the, the single malt conversation globally. So. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of work to be done after this, and it's the fun part of the job, actually. So yeah. we're looking forward to the the regulatory process being behind us yeah, and, yeah. and getting to the, you know, the... Um, the widespread education. Exactly, yeah. and the celebration of it all. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, we're, we're very proud to be a partner of yours, uh, and we're very happy that you're on the podcast with us. So yeah. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate it, and it's great to be here, and I really appreciate your support along the way. So thank you. Well, thank you so much. Uh, safe flight. I will. Thanks. <laughs> yep. Well, I am very happy to be joined by our second guest of the day. We are speaking with the folks from Clear Creek Distillery out of beautiful Hood River, Oregon. We have Caitlin Bartlemay, who is the head distiller, and she is also the Portland Pink Boots chapter lead. We also are joined by Joe, sorry, Joseph O'Sullivan, who is the master distiller at Clear Creek Distillery. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. Thank you for having us, Cheyenne. Awesome. Yeah, no, I'm really happy to have you guys. Yeah, no, it's a real pleasure, pleasure to be able to take part in this. Yeah, you guys, you guys are, I mean, one of my favorite uh, customers to get to chat with, so I'm very happy to, to have you guys on today. Is it because we're very undemanding and rather jovial? <laughs> all of those things. All of those things. Good, because that's what we should really strive for. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, before we kind of jump into everything, why don't you guys uh, kind of just tell me a little bit about yourselves and how you got your start in the industry. Uh, Joe, let's start with you. I came into distilling in kind of a roundabout way that doesn't really exist anymore. I I knocked on a door looking for a job. There was a point in in craft distilling where it was just beginning to emerge. It's 2005. The scene was really different. There was very few distilleries at the time. And I had a lot of carpentry experience and and a fancy biology degree. And, And Steve McCarthy, who was the third craft distiller in the U.S., 
uh, looked at my resume and said, I really don't care about your dumb science degree. I need somebody that can swing a hammer and fix things. Can you swing a hammer and fix things? And and I said, uh, yeah, actually, I kind of can. And, and it, who, who would have known that like my summers working as a plumber or a carpenter would pay off a lot more than my biology degree? Fantastic. A very roundabout way. I love it. <laughs> How about you, Caitlin? Um, uh, uh, I think it, there, it, it depends on the perspective you take. I think Joseph has described it before as I was essentially uh, built and destined for the career that I'm in, um, considering my starting uh, trajectory as a fourth-generation wheat farmer in Eastern Oregon. Um, my family started a winery when I was in middle school, so I was a part of the whole fermenting bug from a really early age. I got a food science degree, um, and then I never stopped calling Claire Creek until they hired me the last <laughs> term at Oregon State. Um, but also so, I mean, realistically, the other side of that coin is that um, Joseph had just left Clear Creek to um, build the, you know, the New York spirits category. He went on to uh, be the first guy to distill the first drop of alcohol in uh, in New York City. Wow. Uh, he ran Green Hook Jim Smith's for a long time um, to a, a great deal of acclaim. And so with his departure, um, I think when Steve looked at my resume and saw that uh, I could also uh, fix things uh, growing up as a farmer. <laughs> Hammer. fixing a bunch of old equipment <laughs> um, I, I was quite literally the the, the, the new fixer uh, the new person that would tinker and knew what a half link and a bike chain was <laughs> and was willing to put in the extra hours to make sure that everything was extra clean and in good repair um, so like yeah there's there's two reasons yeah. why I'm at Clear Creek uh, and I think both are, are pretty fair I, I love it I don't know how in that short little few month window between our careers at Clear Creek that they managed to ruin and break everything yeah no <laughs> There was, um, there was a, it, it was really funny when Joseph uh, returned back to the brand and then uh, I had the pleasure to, to work with him. Um, we would start kind of sharing stories of both his, his early years at Clear Creek as well as my early years um, and some of the, his initial complaints about a few pieces of equipment that we actually still use and run today were exactly identical to my experience, my first experiences yes. as well. Um, it, it's, yeah, it was remarkable in that six, maybe eight months between uh, the two of our times starting at Clear Creek. Um, how, how how much got left aside? <laughs> I, I do have to say, you know, I, I I'm one of those people that tends to form families with the people around me, and I think it's a good way of going through life and going through work. It's certainly a way to keep motivated to go in. So when I would come back to Portland to visit friends, I'd always spend. At some point, I'd show up in the Clear Creek tasting room and work until Steve noticed that a stranger <laughs> was behind the counter. And uh, one of the coolest things about it, though, was it was really easy to remember Caitlin. Because mm. she, I would go in the back, I'd kind of let myself in, and there was this woman who, where everyone else was kind of, I think, uh, I think the most polite term might be Jack around. Can I say that? Yes, you can say that. Oh, yes. While everyone else was jacking around. Uh, Caitlin was, was dutifully putting her efforts and her soul into what she did. And, and I remembered you from that very first moment. And I used to walk up to you and say, hi, Caitlin, like once a year. And I and would be genuinely shocked that he remembered who I was. It was really easy. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's me. I mean, I knew who he was. Clear Creek definitely is notorious for, I mean, we've had a number of really wonderful people that have walked yes, through the, yeah. the history history of the brand and um, even though I haven't had the pleasure to work with uh, a, a lot of them I know so many beautiful stories about about their times mm -hmm. uh, at Clear Creek and so I even though I hadn't met Joseph I grew up hearing Joseph stories within <laughs> the distillery and so um, he was realistically kind of 
uh, he was in an upper echelon of beloved members of the yes. Clear Creek team. That's, always that's too much. Too much. <laughs> no, really, honestly. And so there was quite a few um, stories uh, about Joseph. And so when he came into the distillery, it was like, oh my God, that's the Joseph yeah, is here, here, right? Yeah. And so certainly for him to recognize me like yes. routinely, I was yeah. like, you're busy doing New York things, and I'm just a dirty under the stairs kid. Why are you spending time with me? I still want to. You were there that day. There was this one really. Do you mind if we just tell stories no, for a little bit? There is this. There is this one really funny moment there where Caitlin and I connected, not knowing it, where uh, someone had gone onto Reddit and talked. <laughs> a disgruntled employee oh, no. had, and had talked exactly about how everything, every step we need to do to get the pair to stay in the bottle and look good and taste good and, and not melt. And uh, I I saw that because I was in a different distillery at the time, and. Um, I saw that on Reddit, so I opened up a Reddit account that just said Steve McCarthy's Rage. <laughs> and I laid into it into the comment sections as if I was the ghost of Steve McCarthy. And just, I was just I was I couldn't believe that people were selling his secrets for karma. <laughs> yeah, yes. no, I was watching it unfold, literally sitting like standing behind his chair yeah. as he was like seeing the reaction uh-huh. and absolutely being terrified <laughs> that Steve had figured out what Reddit was oh, no. and was on him. It was absolutely gorgeous. I love it. Well, you guys, it sounds like you have a really great history together, so that's, that's oh, yeah. fantastic. She's like my best friend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. no, it's, it's a real, I mean, uh, it's, it's a real blessing and an honor to be able to go to work with people like Joseph and our distiller, Garrett Trotter. Yeah, mm-hmm. Garrett Trotter. And, um, <laughs> and really genuinely look forward to coming to work today yes, to catch yeah. up on like, oh, what did you watch last night? Yes. And, and, you know, as much as we, we give each other bad time for all, like good friends do, yeah. um, there's a, a great deal of camaraderie and love and yeah. that I feel like translates into everything that we managed to accomplish being a three-person production team yeah. as well as everything we accomplished being Clear Creek and Hood River Distillers. We get a lot done yeah. for being such a small team. I think yeah. definitely for the level of um, effort and skill and knowledge that is required in this industry and the, the, you know, the, the effort that you put in having you know friends who you work with is, is kind of the key to it all. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how people go through work without making the selection to, to learn to love those around them. Yes. It doesn't. It's not. You don't get a choice of who you yeah. work with often, or not very much. But you do get a choice of how you treat each other. Yeah. And and if you show each other support and respect, the friendship tends to blossom very naturally and easily, and, and work becomes a better experience. Yeah, definitely. That's fantastic. Well, awesome. And like I said, you know, you guys have a very deep uh, history in the industry, um, and we're here reporting live from ACSA conference. Uh, is this your first time attending an ACSA conference, or have you been before? Uh, well, this is actually my first time at ACSA. I've been to a couple um, ADIs over the years, but this is my first, like, at the big kids' table. Yes. Not, the, not the ADI yes. at the kids' table at all, but, like, <laughs> there's just a different feeling and there's a different culture to both seminar or yeah. to both, both uh, conferences, uh, conferences um, and uh, ACSA has been totally red. That's awesome. That's great. And, and, no, this isn't my first time. I've been to multiple yeah. of them, and I, I just absolutely feel... I love ADI, I love I love ACSA, but ACSA is is so organically run by mm-hmm. distillers and friends, and it, it just has a different feel. And the seminars are beyond valuable. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that there's ever been a year that I, there's 
days, you know, there's, it hasn't been a year where I've looked at the schedule and said, oh, I, you know, I don't need to go to those. Right. There's, I, I get, I go to so many, I tend to get tired of them. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's yeah. only because they're such quality yeah. information. Yeah. yeah. I, it's oh, like, sorry, a, sorry, just like the, the difference in, in between as a, as a new person to ACSA, it's like going to ADI, um, it's a, it's, you're meeting all these new people and, and everybody's really encouraging and supportive, but the feel here at ACSA is like walking into a family reunion. Oh, sure. Yeah. Like that's, that's the difference. I feel like yeah. the education and the camaraderie and the quality of the conference is, is equal, mm -hmm. but it's like, this is a family reunion yeah. full yeah. of people that like love and respect each other yeah. and have been looking forward to like, it's been a year since I've seen Getting you. See each other. Let's catch up. Yes. That's fantastic. Well, we are about halfway through day two of ACSA. Um, and so do you both have, you know, a favorite seminar that you've attended or one that you're really looking forward to? I, I, this particular ACSA, Sydney Jones's seminar on cross country whiskey was phenomenal. Uh, easily, I mean, there's so many good, uh, so many good speakers, but that the way she moderated, her ease, her comedy, the value of what she was uh, directing, and in terms of like what her basic questions were, it was easy to understand. It was an incredible panel of talented distillers. I think it was. Yeah, I, I, I would not be surprised if it was not my runaway favorite of this year. But I do have to also say that Nicole Austin's. Uh, seminar last year on how to win awards was a, was a real sneaker for me. Mm -hmm. I didn't expect to really, uh, I didn't really know what to expect in that, mm -hmm. and I went to it, and it was so touching, and I thought it was so smart. Mm -hmm. uh, and ever since, I've you know, I, I I'm really happy to call Nicole a friend. Oh, fantastic! What about you, Caitlin? Did you have a favorite so far? Um. One, I absolutely agree with Joseph, 100%. Sydney's pre presentation was great. The panelists were amazing. Um, but I would like to um, give a shout out to the uh, seminar on corporate culture that was put on by Paul Letko of Hugh Spirits, right? So both both two people from Hugh Spirits getting called out um, for their really great uh, offerings here at, at the conference. Um, I just really appreciated the, the seemingly forward thinking. And it's unfortunately forward thinking because there are so many companies and cultures that are clinging to these old old ways of how they treat their employees. And so I really appreciated seeing um, this really great group of leaders that are saying the quiet part out loud and that it's clearly not working, right? right. These are principles that um, have, have been part of corporate culture in the United States right. since you know World War II. And um, we certainly have decades of seeing that it doesn't create a positive work-life balance. It doesn't create a genuine connection between the employees and the work that they're doing. Um, it doesn't get more output out of those employees and we can do better by ourselves and we can do better by our businesses and our communities by letting go of some of these old practices mm -hmm. and these old ways of thinking of how work and our relationship to work should should go about mm -hmm. and start embracing like treating each other with respect and humanity as we go forward and and trying to find a way to as a group of individuals pull that cart in the same direction um, and find a way to make sure that you have that transparency and communication where everybody from the person at the top that has their eye on the prize mm -hmm. um, all the way down to the, the person that works every other weekend understands what the goal is 
so that everybody can pull in the same direction. Definitely. Um, and then that direction doesn't have to be oppressive <laughs> yes. while you're getting there. Well, from uh, from hearing about uh, the history of, of your experience in the industry and the two of you together in the industry, I think that you definitely have that nailed down. So you guys can be uh, shining <laughs> examples in the industry. Joseph is an amazing and an absolutely amazing leader. Uh, it was really awesome to go into this um, and see words and terminology put to things that Joseph does mm -hmm. and then for teaches and leads with on a daily basis. Like mm -hmm. to, before this seminar, I was like, oh, that's just what Joseph does. <laughs> um, but they're like throwing out new terminology. And so I have, I have ways to what you've experienced. Yeah, I have ways through communication and in terminology to be like, oh yeah, you know this trending thing? Like Joseph was doing it way before it was trending. Like, yes. And I have cameras and a few spirits just to copy whatever they do. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, like we had mentioned earlier, you guys have very deep ties in the industry. So, you know, I kind of want to pick your brain a little bit about any sort of industry insights that you have. Um, specifically, are there any sort of trends that you are seeing in the whiskey or the distilling industry as a whole currently? Oh, American single malt. <laughs> Is there any other answer to that question? Uh, I mean, Amer the American Single Malt Commission has been something that has uh, changed American whiskey and, and it's going to continue to do so for some time. I was talking to them yesterday and, and one of the things that was asked was, hey, you know, like, will it ever rival bourbon? And my answer to it was, well, in 10 years, bourbon's still going to be bourbon, but American mm -hmm. Single Malt's going to offer a different perspective and reflection of the landscape than we have ever seen before. And I think it's going to change not just how Americans make whiskey, but how the world views American whiskey mm -hmm. because of the size of our nation and the different sorts of climates and uh, constraints and mm -hmm. benefits that each region has. The terroir as it develops is going to be phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Being bigger than Scotland provides us more opportunity to make unique spirits. Certainly. And from that, I mean, I've, I just keep, I have this this like little dream that I'll find enough time in my life to start like an American O to V commission. <laughs> but I keep on being told that that's like an ungodly amount of work and I don't have that time. Maybe someday, right? Maybe someday. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, well, you know, kind of on that same trend, you know, the distilling industry is growing. Um, for you guys, do you see any large challenges that are facing distillers right now? Um, I mean, the the first thing that comes to mind is always going to, you know, every, everybody's fighting the supply chain issues, but that isn't necessarily uh, just a distiller problem. That's, a, I'm sure, uh, everybody making... Industry-wide, industry yes. Yeah, it doesn't even, not even industry-wide. It's like whether you're making cereals or shoes, like yes. it, 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 it's, it's a difficult situation. Um, I think now it's, um, it's really interesting kind of seeing craft spirits go into the experimental phase. Mm. And so I feel like that is our newest challenge as a group. Everybody's figured out... Um, and and been become experts in in their their base spirit or or just their flagship spirit right this is our straight rye this is our single malt this is our bourbon this is our brandy and now everybody's moving into this next set of education with this experimental phase mm -hmm. and so finding out what works and what doesn't what creative sourcing is going to be beneficial in all of these specialty finishes and specialty blends what kind of uh, work can we do with other distilleries to promote all of us and not only our ourselves mm. and so 
um, seeing kind of what ends up floating to the surface throughout this experimental phase of craft spirits um, is going to be really interesting, but that's like, that seems to be kind of everybody's challenge is finding that, that next step um, to elevate everybody's mm. brands. I love that because it's a, it's a challenge to expand and, mm -hmm. and kind of rise up and that's great. That's really great to hear. Fantastic. I think the only kind of thing that I would say would be a challenge for distilling right now, particularly in craft, is uh, it would be a real shame if the community and culture that Caitlin was referring to, which I think is a big part of this industry, at least on the scale, I think people are pretty respectful and good and mm -hmm. nice. And mm -hmm. I'm, I mean, I'm a glass half full about humans person to begin with, but it would be a real shame that as we grew, we suffered some of the same and very appropriate scrutiny that we've seen in other industries mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. brewing and their Me Too moment. Yes, and and yeah. we have an opportunity now to avoid that mm -hmm. by just taking ourselves out of the equation and, and, and supporting the growth of the people we work with as mm -hmm. humans. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it is going to be a natural at this phase. I think we, we ha we're at a crossroads where it could get so competitive. It could get so... Uh, you know, it could turn toxic. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's going to. I think we're doing, we're pretty attentive. I think we've learned. But that's the only real thing that I, I have actual anxiety about is I just don't want to see our good energy being spoiled. Sure, certainly, yeah. Well, uh, to switch gears a little bit here, Caitlin, you are the chapter lead for the Portland Pink Boots chapter. I will unfortunately have to correct you. I'm co-chapter lead. Oh. I cannot run over Natalie Baldwin and uh, all of her amazing efforts. Oh, fantastic. Uh, Thank you. She's uh, uh, um, the experimental brewer at Breakside, um, and she is uh, renowned for being uh, and the, the queen of brewing adjuncts. Uh, so yes. uh, being a chapter lead of a, of a, Pink, Boats, of a Pink Boots chapter is a a big job and I certainly couldn't do it without her <laughs> and I think I feel fair in saying that uh, she couldn't do it without me as well yes. it is a lot of work it, I, I every time I meet a new chapter I'm like make sure there's there's two of yes. you yes. it is it is a big ship a big to steer yes. to steer by yourself that. especially on top of having um, you know your own career your own job yeah. hobbies all yeah. that kind well, of stuff it is a volunteer hobby, hobby, you know I was glossing <laughs> over it I know I have done but like what is this word I've never seen you with a would certainly not even be able to say the word or think the word hobby if it wasn't for Natalie. So, uh, so yeah, no, I am the co-chapter lead. That is fantastic, and, and it is a volunteer position. So yep. you are kind of putting in your time on the side to do all of this. Mm -hmm. And can you? I know recently the Pink Boot Society expanded to include other uh, fermented craft beverages, uh, including distilling. So can you kind of just speak to your experience uh, being, you know, a distiller in the Pink Boot Society? Um, first off, I I've known about Pink Boots for a really long time and I was always I, uh, I always was sad that I didn't have the opportunity to be a part of it because it was brewing only um, and the minute I found out that it had opened to all the disciplines I was running and knocking on Joseph's door and be like can I be in Pink Boots can I be in Pink Boots um, and he was like of course you can let's do this right now we literally stopped everything that we could do so I could sign up um, it, I really appreciate the support that they have that starts um, from from are you thinking about being in a fermentation industry all the mm -hmm. way up I feel like um, sometimes it's a lot easier to find support once you've hit that middle ground that mm -hmm. moves you from being like maybe lower management or middle management up into like ownership or entrepreneurship. But um, having that support for people that are just like, you know what, I'm tired of this office job and I've always loved beer and I would I would love to know more. Pink Boots has the option mm -hmm. to like 
continue to grow that curiosity and to inspire that curiosity as mm -hmm. part of how it works. And so for me, even though I came into it in the middle, um, having knowing that there was that support from the ground up is mm -hmm. really amazing. Mm -hmm. Certainly, yeah. And I'm I'm very I'm a you know I'm a member of the Seattle chapter. I'm certainly really excited to see the distilling end of the the whole chapter grow or the you know the society as a whole. So I'm mm -hmm. very excited to hear that. Uh, and I don't want to keep you guys too much longer. I know that we've got a very very busy day. Uh, before we wrap up, you know, I kind of wanted to uh, touch on the background of Clear Creek Distillery. And you know, Joe, I know that you're speaking this weekend at the conference. And um, can you both you know share what you spoke on and the importance to Clear Creek Distillery and the distilling industry as a whole? Uh, well, I'm, I haven't spoken yet. I'm going to be speaking tomorrow during the, the lunch. It, we lost one of the kind of giants of early distilling, Steve McCarthy. He's the man who mentored and trained both Caitlin and I. I think a lot of my philosophy of leadership really came from him. He was very fair. He just wanted, if you could show up and do the job, that's all he cared about. Um, you know, he trained Rachel uh, Inman, who mm -hmm. trained me. Mm -hmm arguably the first female craft distiller wow. uh, and because uh, she was working at Clear Creek in the 90s. Mm -hmm. So when Steve started Clear Creek in 1985, he really kind of did it, I think, as Caitlin said, as a like kind of fun retirement project because mm -hmm. he had already had this wildly busy and impressive life up until that point. Mm -hmm. And in all of the things that you can do as an early craft distiller is, is establish a fair number of firsts. So you can make the first American single malt, you can get your name out there with Bear Brandy first, but the real value of what Steve was able to create was an education on how to find and return passion, or find and retain passion in mm -hmm. your daily activity. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Clear Creek is, is more than just a the third craft distillery it's more than these principles of only sourcing from within 200 miles of the distillery itself and, and respecting land and farm it, it's really steve was a really great educator about how to treat the people who work with you and show them love and respect uh, forever you know mm -hmm. he never I, I could call him at any point and he would always be there for me mm-hmm well, I'm, I'm really happy that you get to share his legacy with everyone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, his passing was, I think, very hard for each of us. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a very somber day. I think I stayed at the distillery until like 7 o'clock. I just couldn't go home that day. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm, I'm really very honored to still represent the brands that he created. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, it, uh, it adds another level to our passion yeah. and for what we do yeah. and how we work together. You're carrying on the spirit. Yeah. I love it. Well, very cool. Before I uh, let you go and release you back into all of the seminars and the trade show, uh, is there anything else going on at Clear Creek Distillery that uh, our listeners should know about? Uh, I'm, I'm, so here's the deal. Um, I'm, I'm the worst person to try to get secrets out of uh, because I'm generally terrified that I'm going to let one too many slip. So if you want actual secrets, you got to talk to Joseph because uh, I, yeah, I, I clam up and don't tell anybody anything because I'm too scared. Sh share your secrets. Well, well, we're going to be there. May be some uh, another McCarthy's expression coming out rather soon with a very nice, incredibly fantastic um, cask finish, and then also 
there may be a new Clear Creek O to V in the next uh, year Ooh. or so if we ever find time to finish you know, working on it. I was talking it. to somebody the other day, and it's closer to like three, <laughs> just casually <laughs> while I'm three. while I'm sharing while I'm not sharing secrets. <laughs> yeah, because somebody was asking me about it. That kind of we're we we know really well, yes. and uh, and then they were they were like, well, that's more than that's more than one, and I was like, wow, we've been so busy, I can't even. Oh my even... god, yeah, I forgot that other one. Yeah, no, it's it's wow. it's actually th- like I. It is. It's three. I, um, it's maybe three. Uh, that took me a second. Yeah, no, it did it because he, he was the one that told me it was more than one, and Jeez. I we're the ones that work there. Wow. Um, <laughs> we'd, we're gonna go home and go to bed. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Go, go I would. Um, I would love the opportunity to kind of put in a plea to anybody that is interested in pink boots. Um, certainly, especially for people that aren't brewers, um, pink boots is growing. We're we're in, in, in pulling all these different fermentation. Uh, disciplines in um, we're trying to make sure that we can support everybody how we can so if you can if, if it's something you're interested in we're taking active feedback and so if we want to see winemakers better supported come and come and join pink boots and tell us how we can support you if you want to be a distiller and you want to be better supported by pink boots please join and give us some direction because uh, we're all about working together and working for each other and so we need that input um, and so we want to be everybody can always be better tomorrow than they were today and pink boots can't be better tomorrow unless we all chip in and help each other hey galen do you have to be a cis Oh no! Woman. Yeah, it's. Um, I think the new tagline for Pink Boots is female identifying non-binary, mm-hmm. uh, interested in from or interested in fermentation, or that you make twenty five percent or more mm-hmm. of your total income from uh, a fermentation discipline, which also includes like if you're um, um, selling wine bottles, if you're working behind a bar, mm-hmm. like the whole point is to be as inclusive as, mm-hmm. as possible and to give that leg up to underrepresented uh, people within all. of the industries um, but we need we need that help we, we need people to contribute that have these different diverse voices so that we can help them as best we can certainly yeah definitely I think uh, ending on the note of uh, accessibility and inclusion for, mm-hmm. for everyone in the industry is, is really fantastic uh, I feel I feel so unbelievably triggered <laughs> <laughs> no we got to have a big tent there's no other way to, yes, su- to yes. for us to succeed unless we take care of each other uh, rising ships what is, mm-hmm. what is the phrase rising, rising ships yes. float rising on ships. Yes. High water. <laughs> well, fantastic. Thank you both so much, Caitlin and Joe. I had a great time chatting with you. I will release you back into the uh, the Wild Wild seminars. Thank, Thank you, you so Cheyenne. much, Cheyenne. Yes, we really appreciate it. This yeah. is a blast. It's always nice to see you. <laughs> Thank you. You too. Thank you for joining us in this bonus episode live at the ACSA conference. Before we log off for the week, we have a few exciting announcements. Uh, Country Malt Group has rolled out a brand new distilling catalog, which is specific to distilling-related products. The catalog is available digitally on our website, or you can reach out to your sales rep and get your hands on a physical copy. Additionally, we will be expanding our Best of the Vest Gold Medal Filson Vest program to include the San Francisco World Spirits competition starting this year. Reach out to your local rep and you can get more info on how you can get your hands on the coveted Filson Vest. That is it for today. A huge thank you to our guests who took the time to chat with us. Tune in next episode where we will be discussing the science behind head retention. 